Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on guitar speaker adventures. Celestian, Eminence, Jensen, JBL, Tone Tubby, Warehouse, Wharfdale, Fender, Marshall, PV, Mesa Boogie. There are hundreds of brands and thousands of guitar amp speakers. On top of that, there are tens of thousands of impulse responses that digitally capture mic'd speakers and can be loaded into all sorts of gear. But what is a good guitar amp speaker? Do they really differ that much? How many do you need? Is there a proper way to mic it? Does the cabinet matter? And what is geeky fundum? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Lloyd on the Tweed Couch. What a wonderful time we get to have in talking speakers. We can talk 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, 18 inch speakers if we want to. We can talk about what they're made out of. We can talk about anything. And I'll be honest, whenever I talk with you, Lloyd, it could go anywhere. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. T. It's really good to be back on the couch. It was between watching reruns of the Andy Griffith show or hanging out with my friend, Dr. T. Oh my gosh, I won? Uh, I just flipped a coin. So yeah, you did win though. So good on you. Yes. So I'm here. Yep. Let's go ahead and let's start talking about maybe some of the guitar speakers and cabinets and combos with speakers that we have experienced throughout the years. Maybe a little bit of a journey we've taken over the years in speakers. Let's head down Geekville. Yeah. Kenny at Solid Body Guitars, he's got so many great stories too. And he mentioned once to me about speakers. Now, what's funny is that basically all he used was the Vintage 30. It seemed like everything he had in that store had the Vintage 30 speaker in it. But he talked about speakers in a way they're like, oh, man. It's like he explained them to me once as like a symbol, you know, like a gong or a small little symbol or whatever. He's like, you know, a speaker's a lot like that, you know, depending on the shape, depending on kind of what it's made of, depending on how big it is, how small it is. There's just so many slight variations you can get really bright to really low. And he's like, that's the way it is with speakers. And I always thought that was a really good explanation of why we have literally thousands of speakers made by these companies. And a lot of them sound very similar, but there's quite a range in them. Yeah. And it's interesting because what we're going to get into, especially when we start talking about the different speakers we put with our marshals, we're going to find that even though Some of them have very similar specs. They sounded very differently. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and start with a little bit of my journey, and then we'll go in a little bit of yours. I'll start with my Vox journey, because the first Vox amp I ever had was actually their modeling amp. I had the Vox Valvatronics, the blue Mm -hmm. one, and in there were the Neodog speakers. And the Neodog speakers are neodymium magnets. So they're designed to be very, very light. You know, and I don't mean by tone. I mean in weight. They are lighter speakers. And I went, man, these things are great. I love how big everything sounds. I just, I absolutely love it. And when I sold off the head, 
and kept the cabinet, I was like, I will never get another one. I love how light this cabinet is. I love how light the speakers are, and I love it. But then I ended up getting a Marshall. And I got my Marshall 2204, and I plugged it into that cabinet, and I went, you know, that sounds good. But you let me borrow your Marshall 1960 AX cab. Do you remember that cab? Oh, yeah. Do you remember what was on the back of that cab, spray-painted in white? <laughs> uh, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say I don't, and I'm sadder that you do know. Yeah, what was it? so I don't know if you remember. I'm guessing it was the band's name, and it was Smelt. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. S-M-E-L-T, Smelt, is what yeah. was on the back. Mm-hmm. crudely spray painted on that back of the cabinet. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I borrowed that and I went, that's it. I love the sound of this cabinet. Mm-hmm. Of course, I went through a few other different ones as I was going, but that I'll save that for a little bit of a Marshall story in a bit. But what I realized was the Neo dogs. I didn't like, I didn't like Neodymium. Because those speakers were a little too lifeless for me. They just didn't do it for me. When it came to Voxes, what I found was I really like ceramic speakers. And that's when the journey of greenbacks and creambacks and all those things kind of went into play. And I, and I had a bunch of different ones in there. Yeah. Have you ever tried a Neodog or a Neodymium type speaker? Yeah, I have. What did you think? Just like you described. I love that they were light, <laughs> but compared yeah. to other stuff. Um, now, I've gone through so many speakers. I, I was kind of jotting down a list of ones that I've owned and then also thinking about ones that I've played in other amps, like as backline gears, because I'm always looking, what speaker is inside of this cab? Oh, it's the Eminence oh, yeah. Legend or whatever. Oh, you know, you know, I've realized over the years, kind of going back to what Kenny said, they, you know, the, they really all sound good. It's just, how do you want to use them? What are you going to apply them to? And um, I tried one time, I got a audio speaker from a really, it's a really expensive old, like a, it was like an 80s stereo system. And it was a 12 inch audio speaker. I was like, wow, I'm going to mount this in my Bogner cab and see what oh, yeah. this really nice audio speaker sounds like. And so that's what I did. I just, uh, I just wired it up for one speaker and I stuck that in there. And any guesses to what I thought about it? I'm willing to bet you absolutely hated it because mm-hmm. it was too f- much of a wide range of frequencies. It was completely flat. And I realized yeah. what, I, what I, I guess I knew, but I really realized it then that, you know, an audio speaker is made to not add anything to your tone at all. Whereas a guitar yeah. speaker is designed specifically to give you something more. You know, they design them that way, either with you want it brighter or you want more bass or you want more mid-range or you want it upper mids or lower mids. It's not to be Mm -hmm. neutral at all. And that's kind of what the fun of it is. So I've gone through a bunch of them. You know, the one, you know, the Alnico, which I didn't know until just recently stood for just an acronym for aluminum, uh, nickel, and cobalt. I had no idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. I had no idea that's what Alnico was. And since they were too, it was too expensive. Uh, to get those materials. That's when the ceramic came around. And so. And actually, still to this day, Alnico is a much more expensive speaker than a ceramic. And actually, a neodymium speaker is kind of in between. Yeah. 
you know, I've been really into a lot of the Celestian. There's a lot of companies that make great stuff out there. Uh, Celestian, because mm-hmm. they're one of the older companies. I think also because a lot of the people that I know just used them. So, yeah. you know, you listen to like classic rock and roll. Van Halen, he was into like the really the G12M 25 watt greenback speaker. Yep. Gotta love that one. Still got that around. Other people I listen to also the Vintage 30 we also talked about which was supposed to be like a higher powered version of the old Alnico, supposed to sound like that. Yeah. Like I said, that, uh, the G12H30. Yep. I, I like it a lot. I've had the cream back, the 75 watt cream back. You and I both have played a lot of the G12T75s, which is yes. probably the most known speaker and also the most griped about speaker on the planet. Because yes. it comes in every Marshall cab that you go at, that you see at Guitar Center has that speaker in it. Pretty much, yeah. But there's so many people just complain about it, and I find it actually be a really great speaker for its application. I like too. it for rock and roll. I yeah. like it a lot for rock and roll, and yeah. I like it for a little bit of heavier stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those that if you're looking for Marshall clean, I would not look at that speaker. But if you want it to be driven, or if you want it to be over the top, that's actually a pretty decent speaker. That's right. Probably the only speaker outside of the audio one that I described that I just did not understand why it was ever made was in the 70s when they, as they were coming up with the um, speakers that could handle more power. There was the G12M70. You ever played one of those? I have not. Yeah. Just stay away from it. Did they only last for a few years or what was They only the last a few years. They, they were the 65, the G12M65. Yeah. Um, which I have not tried, and I feel like I have to because it originally came in the JCM 800 412 cabinet. That's the speaker that was made to go with the early JCM 800s, and I've never, I've never had one. <laughs> but right around that time was the 70. I bought an old 80s Marshall uh, 212 cabinet, didn't know what the speakers were in it, and I was hoping that it would have the 65s. Yeah. Open up the back, it had the 70s. And I'm like, uh. all right, it's the 70s. How bad can they sound? Oh, let me tell yeah. you, they, uh, <laughs> these things, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, you, you know, there's people out there that love that speaker who are going to be really yeah. insulted by your yep. laugh right now, but <laughs> they, I thought, I thought, okay, if I played metal, these would yeah. be passable. They were just, okay. they were just harsh and bright. And no body to them at all. And I, they would be passable as a metal speaker, not saying that that's all that there is to a metal tone. But I could see dialing in an amp that would go well with that speaker. Yep. I still would think there is much better choices than that speaker. I don't, I don't know. But it, it's kind of disappeared for that reason. Yeah. That's really the only one that I haven't liked. And in that, you know, you mentioned that Celestian is kind of where you generally go to. It's your go-to speaker brand. And... Mm-hmm. I've tried a number of different Celestians. So you mentioned the G12H30. I had that in a Agnator Tweaker 15 watt, and it sounded really good in there, and I liked it in that. I also had a G12H30 in a Dr. Z Maz 18, and I liked it in that. And I also had a Agnator cabinet, just a 112 cabinet that had a G12H30. Actually, I still have that cabinet. And, you know, it sounds good with what I put with it. But interestingly enough, and maybe this is the cabinet's fault, which we can talk about cabinets in a bit, but my Marshall 
sounds awesome with a greenback. And I plug my Marshall into my 412 cab, and the greenbacks sound amazing. Granted, it's four of them, but Mm -hmm. it sounds amazing. I plug that Marshall into the G12 H30 cab, which is, of course, just a 112, and I go, where where did all the magic go? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think what it is, is I think that it's less spiky in the mid range that I like. And I think that's what it is. And it's kind of that upper mids. Yeah. That's what it's missing. And with that said, I've also tried the Marshall with vintage thirties and I think it's big and it's modern sounding and it's girthy. And I think it's really cool. And that actually brings me to a quick thought on a cabinet that you owned and let me borrow. And that was Mm -hmm. The orange 412 cab. Do you remember that cab? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that thing had four vintage 30s in it. And if you took the speakers out of it, the cabinet would be just as heavy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they loaded it with bricks. I don't know why. They, they thought it did something. Yeah, it, they put ceramic speakers in it, but they used Alnico for the cabinet. I don't, I don't know what was going on. Here's what's interesting about that that cabinet. Like I said, I, I, I do enjoy swapping speakers around just to go, huh, ah, you know, what will it sound like? We'll talk about my Savage cab in a moment because I've had yeah. pretty much every speaker I just mentioned has been in that cab at one point, but I'll mention <laughs> that in a moment. So, What the, a good uh, the, scientific test. You know? It is, it is. <laughs> So, but that orange cab, it was, as you know, it was just really big and massive and very warm sounding. It was just a big full sound to it. And so I had that 412 orange cab and the Marshall 1960 AX cab, the one that had smelt on the back that I've aforementioned forgotten about. So I had the G12M greenbacks in the Marshall. I had the vintage 30s in the orange. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to put the vintage 30s in the Marshall. And just, just see what it'll sound like. And the same speakers in the Marshall cab were bright and shrill. And I couldn't <laughs> get them out there soon enough. I couldn't believe that these were the same speakers sitting in the same room that in one cab, they sounded big and full and fat. And in that cabinet, they sounded really over the top, harsh and bright, where the greenbacks didn't. So I switched, yeah. so I switched them back again. That's amazing. Now, was the I know the Marshall 1960 AX cab is a slant cab, but the orange cab, that's a flat cab, right? Yes, it is. And what okay. what is different about it is that it has a very thick covering on it. The the basket weave that goes over yeah. it. It's very thick. And and it oh, so it sure. really it knocks down the highs. That's the secret to the orange cabs is that. That's amazing. Which is what I've learned over my years that you know, we, we've talked about it before. Everything from the pickup, the string, the pick, you know, everything mm-hmm. all affects everything, which is why it's so difficult for anybody to sound like anybody else. Right down to it, it's not even as easy as just saying, well, I'm going to put that speaker in my cabinet and it's going to sound exactly like that clip I saw on YouTube because right. every cab that I own has a little different sound with that speaker in it. And you wouldn't think it would. Yeah. I think all the ones I have right now are all just birch plywood, closed back or semi-closed back or whatever. You wouldn't think it would make that big a difference. But right down to that front cloth that the orange cabs had on them, 
that's that's the secret to the orange cabs being uh, big big and fat and full because my savage cab it is a copy of the original marshall b412 cab it's the exact same dimensions as that and that cab i love the orange cab the savage cab it's still my favorite 412 cab i've ever played and i said i've tried a bunch of different speakers in it and right now it's loaded with a quad of uh, g12 25 watt greenbacks and it doesn't seem to matter it came with vintage 30s i've had a bunch of these other ones i mentioned in there it always sounds fantastic no matter what i put in it but right now i'm loving the greenbacks yeah. and so i keep them in there maybe someday i'll switch to something else well and that orange cab also the big difference between it is it's not like an inch thick of birch it was like two inches thick yeah with birch all the way around it and i think something goes along with the resonance frequency because some of those speakers have a little bit of a different resonance frequency and to have more wood to be in contact with in some way or another could affect the tone of the cone as it vibrates and all that kind of stuff too so i think there's a lot to it yeah one of my amplifiers you know we talked about before the nailer combo that i have yeah great amp the guy that uh um, built the cabinet of that i don't know how he did it but they they talked about that the cabinet is actually a big part of the sound of the combo that they mentioned like they kind Mm. of like pitch wood (laughs) they kind of i don't know know how they would do that at the time i just was like oh that's something that's just common i don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about it quite that way yeah but that cabinet definitely does because right now it has the Nailer Special Design 50 speaker that comes with the Nailers. Yeah. That's what's in it right now. But originally it was designed with the vintage 30s. And so just for the fun of it, I pulled the Nailer speakers out and put vintage 30s in it just to see what it originally sounded like. And, you know, would yeah. it sound any better? And actually it sounded great, but I didn't like it better than the Nailer speakers. So when I was switching the speakers back out again, I went, hey. Why not one Vintage 30 and one Nailer special design speaker, and I'll put a piece of cardboard with a blanket over one of the speakers, and I'll play the amp, and then I'll slide it to the other side, and I'll play it, and just see what the speaker sounds like in the combo. And I was shocked that I actually prefer the Nailer speaker in the combo over the Vintage 30. It was more lively. It Mm -hmm. just had more of a presence and articulate, which... It's funny to me, too, because our friend Kenny that comes up often at Solid Body Guitars, years ago yep. when I was playing with Peter, I wanted to uh, have a little more air movement on stage. And so I wanted to get a 212 extension cab for the Nailer and also for my Fender Vibralux that had the little two 10-inch Celestian Vintage 10s. Just move a little more air on stage. So I wanted to get a 212 cab. And, he, you know, they were pretty much all about Soldano. And so I wanted to check out the Soldano 212 cab, which I did end up buying and one with the snake skin. Oh, yeah. So I brought the nailer in because I wanted to hear what the nailer sounded like through the Soldano cab. I thought it'd be a great marriage. I could put the mic on the combo and I could put the mic on the cabinet and we can blend the two, which I did a lot with Peter for quite a few years there where we would mic up. Yeah. Either that or I had two different speakers in the cabinet I was using. We'd mic them both up. So I walk in there and uh, ask Kenny about if I can plug into the Solano cab. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's great. And he goes, well, let's, let's hear, your, hear the combo first. And got to love Kenny. He is, he is honest to a fault. Because yeah. I really like the Nailer combo. I do love it with an extension cab, but I like it as a combo. It's 
kind of old Fender basement tweedish kind of thing a little bit. But yeah. it's got its own thing going on. But Kenny's response when I hit a couple chords to the Naylor combo was, that is the worst sounding speaker I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, well, thank you, Kenny. And uh, so I plugged yeah. it into the Soldano cab and it sounded totally different. Suddenly it sounded a lot like the Soldano. You know, it just because you know that Naylor has a modern voicing to it. Yeah, it's a modded Marshall sound. It's a modded Marshall sound. And through the 212 Soldano Vintage 30s, it became very cool. And it sounded great. And I bought that. And that's how I used it for a bunch of years. I used just mic'd up yeah. the Naylor and let Todd Barron's mic them both. And just he just blended them out front and beautiful results. I feel like there is so much to unpack from that story because you kind of slightly snuck this in. That you had the Vibralux with the vintage tens. Yes. So what happened to the original speakers? Because the vintage tens are Celestian speakers, right? Yes. Well, in 1971, Vibralux would not have Celestian vintage tens in it. So what happened to the old speakers? When I got that Vibralux, it sounded great. I started to have some problems with it, and the speakers were crackling. So I brought it down to Savage Audio. Which is in Savage, Minnesota. Yes, it is. Also where the Savage 412 cab came from. Yep. And Jeff, who owns that place, he called me up and he goes, somebody did some weird mods on this amplifier. And in doing so, the speakers blew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Maybe the ohms were wrong to the speaker, but it didn't blow up the transformer. But whatever it did, it damaged the speakers. And he said... I've got these Celestian Vintage 10s, which I don't think you can get now, uh, that he thought would sound great. I've looked it up. They do sell the G10 Vintage now, but it does not look like the one I remember that was in your amplifier. Yeah, well, I remember... maybe they took them away for a while and then brought them back or something. Yeah, they definitely did, because I know they were out of production for a while, but you and I both can attest how great that speaker sounded in that combo. You know, I loved that Vibralux. I was sad when you sold it. And if you remember, I consider it one of the ones that got away. I know, I know. And I tried to sell it to your brother, Paul, and for the bingo card. There you go. Got Paul in there. There, there you go. <laughs> I really wanted to sell that to Paul, but I couldn't give it to him. You know, no. he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have valued it if I just gave it to him. You know, he wanted to earn it. You know, it was for his own yeah, good. Of course. Make him pay retail. Well, now he's going to have to go search the rest of his life for it if he wants it. Or do you know who got it? Uh, no, no idea. Somebody in Minnesota came and picked it up. I had no problem selling it. Well, bet. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it, it, you're right. I've, I've had a few amps that, uh, that have got, haven't we all, you know? Yeah. Okay. We, yeah. Guitars, amps, pedals, you know, different things yep. we've let go at one time and, you know, try not to live in the past. Yeah, that's right. Now, the other thing that I feel like we need to unpack out of that entire conversation goes with the snakeskin. So you're telling me that you had that snakeskin cabinet, but you didn't have the head? I thought you had the head as well. That came later. Yeah, no, I bought okay. the snakeskin, and that's the reason I got the snakeskin head to go with it. <laughs> I remember bringing that Soldano. It was the Soldano Decatone. Um, oh, that's right, the Decatone. Yeah, again, a great amp. I remember one time we were playing at Life Fest, and John Doherty wasn't doing the stage manager at that point. It was right before I think he took over doing the stage managering and they hired some guy who went around and did a lot of the big festivals. 
And oh, Dave. He came, yeah. Yes. And he came out and he berated me for bringing in an amp that brought the sign of original sin onto the stage because of the snakeskin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to this day, I don't know if he was joking. <laughs> He was so dry, nobody knew if he was joking no, ever. No, so. no. Well, and it was funny because right about that time, John brought out his Apple computer that has the apple with a bite yeah. taken out of it. And he, and, he had, <laughs> and I just could see his wheels turning about, what is this band doing on this stage? But anyway, he was cordial after we were done. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, he is a stickler for the stage being run a certain way. And your band, Echelon, is very good at stage etiquette, which we just did a podcast on understanding your role, what you were supposed to do and being timely. So, yeah, well, I appreciate it. I was waiting to get thrown under the bus during that entire podcast as I was listening. to. Oh. It. <laughs> now, let's give you a non example. <laughs> Let's yeah, that's right. Echelon. All right, let's talk about Lloyd. Okay, so specifically Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. So to go back to Celestian just for a quick minute, I will say that I love the Greenback. If I had to pick a speaker, I would probably pick the Greenback as my most versatile speaker for the tone that I like when I play. But I will say that. If I'm playing something that needs to be more clean, more chimey, I generally tend to go towards like a Celestian Blue, which is an Alnico speaker. Mm-hmm. The Greenback is a ceramic speaker. This is a, an Alnico speaker, and, and I like that a little bit better for those things. But if all I'm going to do is play dirty, it's going to be tight, it's going to be raw it's going to be maybe even more modern then i go to a vintage 30 i mean those are my three speakers i've tried the jensen cn12 i believe it is it's a an alnico speaker that's kind of a low wattage that you find it's nice it's sweet it's warm it's not a celestian it's not one of those types of speakers it's to the point of this my dad has the 1964 blonde Fender Showman, which when he plays it, he plays it into his dual cab, which has a JBL 130F and a JBL 140F, which are 15 inch speakers. And they're huge and they're big and the amp sounds good. But one day I took the head and I plugged it into my Marshall cab with the greenbacks. And all of a sudden, the magic came mm. to Fender amps for me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one of those people. I plant my flag on my hill and I die on it. Greenbacks, I'm calling it the greatest speaker for my kind of tone. There's so many options out there, speaker. I, I like trying the various ones of them, but I totally agree. I, I think there are a lot of the speakers, a lot of them sound very similar. Just a different company yeah. doing... You know, you got the Eminence version of the the Greenback, which I think is like the legend. Scumback. Yeah, I think so. I've got a couple Scumback speakers. One is the H30 yeah. variant. The other one's the Greenback variant. So I, I too, a lot of the ones that I speakers that I have, uh, I just kind of come back to. These are just tried and true. If it doesn't sound good, it's not the speaker's fault. It's what I'm trying to do going into it. Yeah. I should probably spend more time practicing my guitar and less worrying about the dang speaker. For sure. 
Yeah, actually, I have a Vox AC-15, and I've had the Vox AC-15 with a blue in it. I've had it with a green back in it, and I've had it with a cream back in it. Hmm. So I've done all the three popular variants with the AC-15, and the blue seemed to have a lot more headroom. It was more chimey. It was more clear. The cream back seemed to have more of that lower mid hump. And it was big and it was full and it was pretty clear. But there's something about that green back that seems to have that little bit of an upper mid and it breaks up a little bit easier. Yeah. Once again, it's that green back for me. You've played my Black Star Artist combo, which I think is a yeah. hidden gem in the combo world. Is uh, that 15 or 20 watts? This one's 15. They made a 30. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. It's louder than the uh, AC-15. And just for uh, geeky fundum, I think I just made up a word. Geeky fundum. Yes. And hanging out in my shop, geeky fundum, I uh, having a bunch of speakers lying around. I was like, you know, I'm just going to try all of them in this combo because it came with a speaker we haven't mentioned yet is the V-type. The Celestion V-type is what's in it. And it's supposed to be uh, a cheaper version of kind of a Vintage 30. Right. And I've listened to clips of them. I think the Vintage 30 sounds a little fuller, yeah. a little, little meatier. And having played the V-type and, own vin- and also owning Vintage 30s, I, I could attest to that. But I've left the V-type back in the combo, that Blackstar, like it was built with, for this reason. I tried the Scumback M75, mm-hmm. which is like the Celestion Greenback. And I have a, an anniversary G12H30 Celestion. Yep. And actually, depending on, again, depending on what you're wanting to play, that was probably my second favorite speaker that I tried in it. And it's, it made it sound a lot like a really good Fender combo mm. with, with those speakers in there. It was really beautiful. It was big and fat and full. And it, it wasn't too bright on the top end. Because one of my criticisms initially of the V-Type is that because it is a little bit more scooped in the mids compared to the Vintage 30, it tends to sound a little brighter. But there's something about that V-Type with me being a rock and roller yep. that I couldn't get out of the G12H30 when I drove the gain up stuff. It just, the, the breakup of the H30 wasn't nearly as pleasing as the V-Type. The V-Type just has a great rock to it yeah. that I love. And you can play it for other stuff than that, but for me, and so I put the V-Type back in there. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just depends on what you want to do. All these speakers just change things just a little bit. Just a little bit. What works for you. And you mentioned that you had a bunch of different cabinets. Yes. So what cabinets do you currently have? I have the Savage 412 cab, which I will never get rid of. And I think it's partially, you know, it's four speakers. It moves a heck of a lot of air. Yep. And I think you're the same way with the Marshall, your Marshall cab yet. It's just so enjoyable to play through something that big. I think that's part of it. Yep. Just the amount of air it moves and nothing else can match it. If it's mic'd up, it doesn't matter. But standing in front of it, trying to get that big sound that I love from the Savage 412, because I've had a couple different smaller Marshall cabinets, the 1936 cabinets, that I tried a bunch of different speakers in. I would go, yeah, it sounds good. You know, I'd put the Greenbacks in there. I put the Vintage 30s in there. It came with M70s that I told you I hated. Yep. It sounded good, but I wanted to play my Savage 412 cab more. 
So I kept trying. I was like, I need something that's a 212 that maybe I can sound bigger, which led me to the Bogner oversized 212 cap. Yeah. Which I currently have. How is that different than the Mesa oversized cab? The I think it's the Thiel or something. Yeah, the Mesa is I thought about that one too. It's it's deeper. Okay. The Mesa has a lot more low end thump. Yeah, it is. Which mm-hmm. all sound guys just dial off anyway. Yep. And I, you know, um, for my tone and your yours too, we don't have a lot. We got we it, there's there's low end there. Yep. But it's more about the full spectrum. It's not about just big boom and low end. Right. The, you know, the meaty mid-range that yep. we go for. Well, it's the part that cuts through the mix, right? That's right. Absolutely right. And it, like I said, the sound man's just going to be saying you're walking all over the, the bass guitar anyway. Or the keyboard. Yeah, th- that's our frequencies. We just got to own up to this is where we live. And, yep. And so the Bogner cab has that more of a massive sound to it, but it's not as heavy as the 412 cab. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that. So right now... I have the Vintage 30s in the Bogner 212 cab, and I've got the Greenbacks in the Savage cab. If I want something a little bit more modern, I go into the Bogner. If I want old, more classic rock, I go into the Savage. But I find still where I'm at right now, every amp I have, I love playing through the Savage 412 cab with the Greenbacks. Yeah. But... I was also that way when it was loaded with Vintage 30s. Yeah. And when it had two Vintage 30s and it had two H30s. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I had some G12 T75s on the bottom with Vintage 30s on the top. It still sounded fantastic. Yeah. There's just something magical about that. Something that, magical about that cabinet. And I don't know, is it made yep. of birch or pine or... Yeah, no, it's, it's birch. It's birch. Okay, yeah. and so... It's interesting because most of these cabinets are made of birch or something like that. But there are those cabinet snobs who say that even the back, like the back plate, like that gets screwed in, it needs to be birch as well. Because Marshall got a huge bit of flack by doing something called MDF. Do you know what MDF is? Yes. Yeah, it's it's like a particle board, right? Yeah, it's a medium density fiber board. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And they got the biggest flack. And I wonder, is there really a difference? And I have no idea. But it makes me wonder if that really is part of the tone. I, I think no doubt. They even tried making some with like the sawdust particle board. Yeah. There were some cabs that I've seen made, made, and I played one like that. You know, they're very unstable. Yeah. You know, the MDF is far superior to that because, you know, you get any moisture at all in that sawdust oh, yeah. paper, paper particle board. It, it just crumbles. Yeah. Um, so that was really awful. That whoever thought about doing that, plus it weighed a ton. Yeah. Which the MDF does as well because it's it's just paper. Going back to the audio speaker that I had. Oh yeah. The cabinet it was in the home stereo system was MDF that it was <laughs> in, and audio guys love it because there's no resonant frequency from MDF at all. Oh sure. And I think maybe there are some purists that like that with the guitar cabs too because they're like then I'm just hearing the speaker. But I like the the birch plywood vibrates. Yeah. You know, the wood fibers get going. It's part of the sound. It's part of the sound. Which is also why wood cabinets, have you played any of, have you played any pine cabinets, combos or anything? If I have, I didn't know it. Combos are kind of their own animal because usually they're open back and so the sound just engulfs the room anyway. But pine, well, like uh, jumping back to the birch plywood, you know, you've got, just thin layers of a board that are cut and then glued together yeah. and they keep 
turning the grains against each other. So it's incredibly stable. Well, when you got a pine cabinet, it's a three-quarter inch or an inch chunk of pine by itself. And so I find that pine is even more lively. It vibrates yeah. even more than the birch does. And that's either you like it or you don't. You know, some people will swear that solid wood cabinets are the way to go. Yeah. Uh, but most cabinets we know are made of birch and they sound just fine. And multi-layered and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Let's hear from another sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together, deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year in 2021, we have two festivals. Come join a party with a purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there. Well, I'm going to unpack a statement that you said a couple of minutes ago, which was you said that a 412 pushing air, man, it's great when you sound in front of it, even though it doesn't necessarily matter when you mic it up. And that brings up an interesting point in the sense that when you are actually miking an amplifier, you get this sound and you love it and you're like, this sounds awesome. And then you go into the studio or you go out front and you take a listen and you're like, that, that doesn't sound the same. What happened? <laughs> you know, and you find out that the, the sound engineer decided to knock off all the lows or you find that there's a, there's a mic that you don't like that's on the front of it or... Even the mic is in the wrong place. I mean, if I yeah. have time, I will often, because I play wireless, I will often walk out front, play along, and then walk over and just move the mic to the left or the right, depending on what I want to do, mm. and then stand back out in front mm. and go, now how's it sound? And if it still doesn't sound any different or it doesn't sound better, that's when I ask what the studio guy is doing or what the what the engineer out front is doing or anything like that. Yeah. So I guess... Where I want to go with this is, do you have any miking techniques or even mics that you like to put in front of a speaker because it seems to be good for the character or the tone in which you like? I kind of go back to what have they been using for years? What are, what are the records that I listened to and what were they using at that time? And I kind of want, like if it was good enough for them... Uh, and the and the classic Shure SM57 has been a workhorse, yeah. you know, for 30, 40 years. I always keep one of those in my bag, just in case we show up somewhere and, uh, I don't know, I've only had to use it a couple times. It wouldn't, you know, usually everybody has one. Yeah. So I did for a little while there, I moved away from it because I thought, you know, because the SM57, even though it's an industry standard, it has its own sound too. I've come full circle and I now love the character that it it adds, you know, yeah. everything, like I said, everything's part of the puzzle. The speaker and the mic, they come together for something that really cuts through the mix well. It just sounds great. 
but I did try some other ones in there. Yeah. In the studio, I love doing a 57 with some type of ribbon mic. The Royer is one of my favorites. The 121 is so good. Yeah, it's warm. Yep. And combining that with the 57, you know, it's like you kind of said earlier about your speaker choices. Like, it works. Why switch? That's kind of where I'm at with mics. I'm like, it's hard enough to come up with creative things to play and, and dialing the amp right or stuff. You know, if you know that the speakers and the microphone will give you what you want. I don't really, I'm not really looking to go somewhere else. Now, live application, there's been a few different mics that like Thomas, the band you play in with the Lynn Stone King. Now, Thomas and also John Doherty as well, when he's done some stuff for me. Which is the festival director for Life Fest. Yeah. That's right. I think it's the 906. Yeah, the E906 mm-hmm. by Sennheiser. I love that mic. So that's yep. the one mic I would like to get in my bag and use more. I've, I've stepped out in front of the house, like you described enough times ago. This mic is really capturing closest to what I've got on stage yeah. out house. I'm like, are you doing some magic by the board? They're like, no, that's flat or whatever. I'm like, that, that's a great mic, which is funny because at first I thought it was the 609, which I despise. Yes. Yep. I have one. And I, you know, I loved it at first. And actually, when I was on the road with Second Adam, we used a 57 on one speaker and we used a 609 on the other speaker and we blended. The 609 kind of sat right in the middle, which the 609 has kind of a, an interesting coloring hump to it. And so when you put it right in the center of the speaker, you get a little bit of that sizzle back. But the 57, yeah. I like to stick that just off the center dust cap. And what that ends up yeah. doing is giving me a little bit more of that low end back and a less sizzle, which the 57 adds in a little bit. So it did a really yeah. good job of marrying the two. But if I only got one mic, that 906, man, it nails the best of both of them for me. Yeah, and I would agree. Uh, a few years ago, I would have said, you know, just give me a 57. If you're, if you don't know, just grab one of those. I know what it sounds like. Know it's going to sound great. But yeah, the 906 is, it's, it's up there. You know, the beauty of the 906 is that it is that square mic that you can just plug it into the XLR and let it hang off the amp. And it's sitting where it's supposed to for the entire show. You don't need a mic stand. Whereas a 57, I see it all the time. I go to like a cheap little bar or I go to some place where the audio guy was cheaping out on something and the thing they cheaped out on was mic stands and they'll just take a 57 and dangle it in front. And I go, that's not what that mic was designed for. And that mic already has a tough time sounding perfect. You can't, you can't dangle it like that. 90 degree That's is right. not what it was meant for. <laughs> but it's off axis. Yeah. Yeah. 90 degrees <laughs> off axis. <laughs> well, I will say this, that 121, that Royer 121 that your band owns, we rented that from you when we did our album. And that 121 is all over our album because every time we had a chance to use it on a guitar cab, the bass cab, it was on it because it sounded so clear. That's really the best way I can put it. It didn't add lows. It didn't add highs. Whenever it was time to EQ it, you didn't really have to do much with it. It was very true to the tone. Yeah. And then we put a 57 on it, and then we got more of that rock and roll sound back out of it. And gosh, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's what I've done for years. And it sounds great. Yeah, it does. 
And we've tried a few other things. Like when I had the 412 cab set up, we would set up four mics, put one on each speaker. We did the Neumann U87, which I think was also yours as well. And it was okay, which that's like a $4,000 mic. And it was okay. You know, we tried the Audio-Technica 2020. And that's a pretty cool mic for vocals. Put it on the the cabinet and it did better, I thought. But at the same time, didn't necessarily use it. But when we used the MD-421, which is the Sennheiser mic that has been known for years to be on toms and guitars and all that kind of stuff, it sounded really good. The 57 sounded good. The 121, perfection. I mean, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's like you were saying, we've done that too. Put four different mics on a speaker cabinet at the same yeah. time, and and just and Pick just A like. B, yeah. And and I'm like, oh, they are they sound so drastically different. And then and then you realize that later on, when it's in the mix with everything else, you kind of forget about that. Yeah, and it's like it's like yeah, it all any one of those four would have sounded great. Yeah, in what we're doing, and I just try to keep that in perspective. But now, where do you like to put your mic? Do you like to put it kind of in the center, towards the edge? Where do you like to put the mic on the cone of the speaker? Just going from what I was told years ago, and I just kind of stick there anyways. Yeah, the center little cone, the dust cap, yep. right in the middle there, just right on the edge of it. Sometimes I'll put it out a little bit farther, and I'll angle it in a little bit. But okay. most of the time, I'm just straight on, pretty close to the grill cloth. I have done some experimenting with miking there and doing a few feet back, doing a room miking type of thing. You have yep. to watch out for phase issues and stuff. And that's been that's been fun too in studio yeah. applications only for that. Get a little bit of that room. I, I read an article years ago about Eric Clapton when he was doing one of his albums. They spent like four hours doing different mics and different angles and different placements of the speaker, listening out front before they actually recorded anything. He was that anal about it. Yeah. And I find a lot of times I'll try like two or three different places just because I'm like, well, let's make sure that off the just the edge of the cone is the best place. And I always come back to, nope, that seems to be the best. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting because I know that when I was on the road with you guys helping set stuff up, that's where you always told me to put it. I mean, you always told me to put it there. And then when I went on the road, I put it right there and we played around with it. And that's where we ended up with it as well. So I think that that's probably the yeah. best place for us, for the tone we're looking for, to end up putting it. Now, the reason why I even bring up the miking is because, have you ever heard of an impulse response? Yeah. IRs are kind of the new rage, especially with people who do a lot of modeling. You know, like, oh, I've got the mm-hmm. neural DSP quad cortex. I've got the Kemper... I've got the Helix or I've got the HX Stomp or the Strymon Iridium, whatever they have, Mm -hmm. they use these impulse response of speakers. And I remember buying a set. I was like, I'm going to buy a pack. I'm going to see how this goes. And there's a popular worship guy by the name of David Hislop who plays for one of the contemporary worship bands that's kind of the bigger deal that goes and does festivals as well as plays at churches. And he had a pack that was an everything pack. And I was able to pick it up for like $40, you know, and usually they're like a lot more than that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I got a coupon. I'll give it. We'll see what happens. And in trying it, honestly, it led me down an interesting road 
of realization. Like just realizing that, yes, the speakers make a big difference. Mic placement makes a big difference. All of these things really aid and change the tone. So what I would find is I would EQ something up and I would go, man, that sounds really good, but I just can't seem to get the mids just right. And I would just load a different impulse response that had a different mic that might have been placed a little bit different. Maybe it was an inch off the speaker instead of four inches off the speaker or whatever. Honestly, it it changed the entire sound of the amplifier. And it made Mm -hmm. me realize how much the speaker matters in the tone Mm -hmm. of a guitar amplifier. I could be playing my Marshall and I could put V30s, vintage 30s, instead of greenbacks and it'll completely change the character of that amp but yet when people say what do you play i don't say i play greenbacks i say i play a marshall 2204 yeah that's good and how crazy is that that this impulse response thing made me realize that when people say man i love a fender deluxe reverb what i should be asking is yeah and what speaker do you have with it yeah yeah that's good because it changes everything so how much have you messed with impulse responses? Uh, zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so I've, I've played around with some people that own them, and I've been, oh, this is really cool, but I haven't, I didn't want to mess with their settings, so I just, they just kind of dialed in different things. You had mentioned that uh, the quad cortex. Yeah. That one has really piqued my interest because it's, it's the size of a little pedal board. Oh, yeah. And how convenient that would be just to yep. bring my nailer and my black star and my Marshall and bring it all on. Or if I don't get a tone that I can profile onto it, I could buy something. I don't feel like I absolutely have a need for it right now. So yeah. I haven't really gone down that road, but if I were a touring musician again, now I wouldn't even blink. Yeah. You know, I would go that route just to be able to throw that on the floor with a, and give me a direct box and let's go. Well, you don't even need a direct box with like the neural DSP with the quad cortex because the quad cortex has an XLR out that's already put to the correct input. So, I mean, really you just need an XLR. That's it. Yep. That's it. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because I didn't even think about this until right now where you and I are talking and I'm reminded of your rack gear. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I'm wondering if the Kemper, the Helix, the Quad Cortex is the rack gear now that was the rack gear of the 80s. Uh, I think of it that way, yeah. It it really could be. It's like 1500 bucks, I think. Kemper's more than that. Yeah, it is. And so here is for your future enjoyment. I have a Quad Cortex on order. I'm waiting for that (laughs) sure you do barber has a quad cortex on order he's waiting for it jason has a quad cortex on order he is waiting for it so there are three of the like six seven people who helped me out with this podcast that (laughs) are waiting for their quad cortex so soon we will be able to tell you all about it and I'm the one saying, yeah, but I don't really need it. Yeah. No, we're all saying we don't need it either. That's the funny thing. We agree with you, but we're getting it. So. Awesome. I look forward to review. Yeah. So I guess that probably brings us to final thoughts. And in my final thoughts that I have to add into this, 
I think that there's a lot that goes to what I learned from an impulse response or what I realized with an impulse response. And that is speakers make a difference. Mic placement makes a difference. The type of mic makes a difference. And all of those things are not more important, but they're just as important as the amplifier, the cable, the guitar, the pedals, and the player in getting that tone that we need. I would agree. I think early on, I spent a time throwing whole amps out because I didn't like them. And if I would have spent a little bit more time switching out speakers, I might have kept some of the amps around. Yeah. You know, the classic 30 is a perfect example. I could never bond with it at low volumes. I thought it sounded good turning up, but I played one with a greenback in it. And I thought, oh, it sounded like it was more alive. Yeah. I just had never thought about back then about switching out stuff like that. Probably would have kept that amp around, you know, a little bit longer anyway. I think the speaker has a lot to do with the tones that we like. And I think it's important that we give them the recognition it deserves. There are many players I know that don't think anything at all about the speaker. You and I have gotten to a point where we realize that there are certain speakers that we know sound great for the music we want to produce. And if the amplifier has that speaker in it, the speaker isn't the problem. You know, maybe I do need to get rid of that amplifier. Yep, I completely agree. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you liked what you heard, leave five stars and a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time.